Ladies, I welcome you to Positively Purposed, the space where real women share real stories from the experts and the experienced, giving you motivation, advice, support, and information that you want to be apprised of. I'm your midlife maven, Nina Dana Lee, and we'll be dropping these gems every Sunday night. So hit subscribe so you don't miss a thing. And let's get started. Welcome or welcome back. Today, we approach our positively purposed conversation from a slightly different angle. I have always promised that I want to provide you with real solutions and resources for challenges that we face. Our motivational and inspirational stories definitely have their place. We have also engaged a spiritual or energetic perspective on a number of issues. However, today we are viewing challenges from a scientific lens that supports a natural solution. Kana MD is committed to providing compassionate care through evidence-based application of medical cannabis research. Centered around education, empathy, and exceptional customer service, Kana MD offers an unparalleled patient experience, empowering clients to pursue a better quality of life. Our interview guest today is Jessica Walters, who graduated from Harvard, where she studied neuropsychology and currently serves as Kana MD's chief medical researcher. Today's conversation will be an enlightened discussion on how and why cannabis can provide relief, support, and comfort to a variety of ailments that we suffer from. Right about now, you may want to get out your notepads. So without further ado, Jessica Walters. Good afternoon, Jessica. Thank you so much for joining us as a guest on Positively Purpose today. It's a pleasure to have you. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having us. I've been looking forward to speaking. Wonderful, wonderful. I know this has been a really crazy time globally, so I really appreciate you being able to carve out some time to address this with us. I think that the topic as a whole is going to be amazing for our audience to hear about. It's so timely and it's so helpful from a a natural perspective and just from a holistic perspective and an overall health perspective. So thank you again for joining us today. And I'd actually just like to start just with a little bit of information about you. Like, how did you get started or interested in this industry as a whole? What what connected you to the research part of it? Was there a personal involvement or connection that really kind of boomed your interest? Sure. Um, So again, my name is Jessica Walters, and I am the Marketing Director and Chief Medical Researcher for CANA-MD, and we are one of the largest networks of medical cannabis physicians here in Florida. And prior to joining CANA-MD, my background is actually in neuropsychology. So I had been focusing on the comparative effects of pharmaceutical medication to psychosocial interventions. And so what that means is essentially I was looking at how do things like Xanax and Ativan compare to walking three times a week, you know, 20 minutes at a time or dietary modification, spiritual involvement. So I was already very interested in holistic approaches and kind of more natural complements to the more traditional medications and treatments within the medical community. And so whenever the CANA-MD opportunity crossed my desk, I was immediately intrigued. However, I really didn't have any background whatsoever in the medical cannabis 
field. And so at the encouragement of friends and family, I kind of dove headfirst into the science and was just blown away by what I found. I mean, really strong evidence-based arguments in favor of the effectiveness of this medication that I just couldn't turn a blind eye to and really felt that I wanted to get behind. And so I've been with CanaMD ever since, a little over two and a half years, and you know, doing everything that we can to foster evidence-based conversations about medical cannabis research. Uh, and that is one of the things that I like about CanaMD, and I think one of the things that our patients like as well is that we're really committed to the science side of things. You know, we're currently partnering with two University of Florida studies, uh, one on PTSD, one on pain, because I think it's really important that we do everything we can to educate the public so that we can remove the stigma that is preventing a lot of patients from seeking treatment that really could help. That's awesome. And I think taking the natural approach, uh, there's so many people nowadays that are really leaning to a more holistic approach as opposed to the pharmaceutical route. So really getting educated on the medical marijuana and how it can be used to assist us and to help our health and healing without putting additional chemicals into our body is really, I mean, I, I personally prefer holistic healing over anything myself. So it's, it's really great to be able to get that type of education. And especially now that a lot of countries have opened up their laws as far as the use of medical marijuana. And it's, you know, it used to be a big taboo thing and marijuana is illegal everywhere and you can't have it. But now that the science has actually been able to back the true assistance and the true benefits of it, it's been a great help. So getting some more information is always healthy. And I'm really excited to get some more information from you today. (laughs) How do you decide like what areas to focus on? Is it is it a, a random decision? Does something come up in a study and you're like, oh, that sounds good? Or is there a kind of method to the madness? Sure. So my starting point is always with the nine primary conditions that were outlined in Florida's Senate Bill 8A. And so for a little context for those who aren't familiar, um, in late 2016, Senate Bill 8A was passed in Florida, which legalized medical marijuana, and that was kind of put into practice in very very early 2017. And so within that bill, there are nine main conditions that qualify for medical marijuana treatment. And those include ALS, cancer, Crohn's disease, epilepsy, glaucoma, HIV, AIDS, multiple sclerosis, Parkinson's disease, and PTSD. Then there's two additional conditions, um, terminal conditions and chronic non-malignant pain, uh, which is defined as pain that originates from one of those nine main conditions but persists beyond the normal course of that condition that also qualify. And so when we're researching conditions, we always start with those main nine or 11. However, there's a very, very important line in that Senate bill that allows for treatment of conditions of similar like kind or class. And so that is what really opens up the opportunity for us to provide treatment for conditions such as anxiety or depression. And what we have to do on the medical side of things is we have to put together that research to present to the Florida Department of Health that says, hey, anxiety is a similar condition of like kind or class. 
here's why, here's the evidence, here's the peer-reviewed research. And then once we get the approval from the Florida Department of Health, we're able to offer services in that area. And so right now, CANA-MD is certifying for over 50 additional conditions besides those main nine or 11. So when we're looking at conditions to kind of dig into, we always start with those main nine or 11 and then build out into what we call within the industry gray area conditions. That's excellent. And so I guess, I mean, when you look at those nine and all the symptoms that they cause, that that can spread it out quite quite widely as far as the conditions that can be treated by medical marijuana that would, would be similar or like. Absolutely. And so, and how does menopause or female, I mean, now I'm curious, <laughs> how does menopause, female conditions, hormonal imbalances and things like that, how does that fall into there? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that's really interesting about menopause, and one of the reasons I was really excited to have this conversation is because it pulls in a lot of the primary symptoms that medical marijuana is known to address with an incredible degree of effectiveness. Um, And that includes anxiety, migraines, um, fluctuations in sexual desire, difficulty with sleep. And so kind of to backtrack a little bit in how marijuana is able to address all of these different kinds of things, you know, because usually you have a medication and it targets one specific symptom or one specific problem. um, It all boils down to the endocannabinoid system. Now, the endocannabinoid system is a fully functioning biological system, very similar to the other systems that you might be more familiar with, such as the immune system. And oftentimes, when I start a conversation like that, people are like, wait, hold up, hold up. If it was that legitimate, why haven't I heard of it? Why isn't it in the books? And the reason for that is the endocannabinoid system really wasn't profiled into the late 1990s. And so it's not that it wasn't there. It's not that it wasn't working. We just simply didn't know about it. Um, And a lot of that has to do with your point earlier about the changing legislative landscape that is opening up research and is opening up research dollars. And so again, it's not that the science wasn't there, just perhaps the money or the opportunity to explore it and report on it wasn't there. So anyways, in the, ni- in the late 1990s, we started to become increasingly aware of this endocannabinoid system within our body, which is essentially made up of cannabinoid receptors and then naturally produced chemical compounds called cannabinoids or endocannabinoids. And the receptors and the chemical compounds interact with each other. Your body's already set up to do that. But where marijuana comes into the picture is that the cannabis plant actually has chemical compounds called phytocannabinoids that have a near identical molecular similarity to the compounds that your body is already producing, which means that when you ingest marijuana, those compounds are actually able to interact with the receptors that are already naturally occurring within your body. And so that kind of brings us to the point of how is medical marijuana able to treat PTSD, but also treat MS and treat ALS and treat Crohn's disease. These are all completely different things. Well, this isn't a medication that was designed to treat one specific problem. Mm -hmm. These are natural compounds that are already working within your body. And by complementing them with very similar compounds that come from cannabis, you're allowing your body to function more optimally, which is why you're able to target such a wide array of conditions. And so addressing menopause specifically, if we look at anxiety, um, 
anxiety is a condition that disproportionately targets, you know, our female population. Mm -hmm. And there was a really, really interesting study that came out of Washington State University in 2018 that found that 93% of people that use medical marijuana reported a perceived reduction in anxiety symptoms. And then that perceived reduction was 58% which is very sizable, very sizable. And when you look at, when you further isolate the female population, you find that our women actually present a greater degree of relief than the men. And so in that particular study, they had patients rank their anxiety from a scale of one to 10 with 10 being the worst. And for men and women that said, my anxiety is at a level six, Whenever they tried medical marijuana, women said that their anxiety dropped to a level two, whereas men only dropped to a level three. And Mm so medical marijuana definitely works for anxiety, but it seems to work especially well for the female population, which is great because, again, they disproportionately suffer from that, you know, condition to begin with. Wow, that's interesting. And um, since I've had the podcast, I do surveys with my ladies and anxiety, depression, stress is one of the biggest challenges that as women we tend to face and not even just from menopause or just from hormonal imbalances, but life in general. And so regardless of the hormonal changes, the medical marijuana can actually assist in that um, symptom because it's not, it's not based on what's causing it. It's based on the effect that your body has. Exactly. Absolutely. And the anxiety and especially marijuana's ability to or excuse me, marijuana's ability to target anxiety is especially important because we now know that anxiety and stress contributes to such a wide range of other medical conditions mm-hmm. and, you know, can exasperate exist pre-existing conditions, can actually lead to completely new conditions. And so really being able to address that particular concern head on is so important. Um, but then on top of that, medical marijuana can also treat a number of other symptoms that we frequently see within menopause. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the chief being, you know, concerns about weight gain and, you know, or weight fluctuation. And that's and, an interesting one, because when we think about marijuana, you automatically think snack, right? People are like, <laughs> oh, when you, when you ingest marijuana, you get the snacks and you want to eat. So how, do, how does that work? Yeah. So first off, that um, stereotype is actually completely true. And science has backed it up. The munchies, I'm here to say, are a very <laughs> real thing. However, they are not operating in the way that you may think. So we've had a number of studies in very respected peer-reviewed journals, ranging from the American Journal of Epidemiology to the Journal of Addictive Diseases, that has come out and said that, yes, marijuana users do consume more calories. However, on a whole, they have lower body mass index and better lipid and glucose profiles. They have smaller waist circumferences. And so obviously when you pour down something like that, you're going to get a lot more researchers involved, like, hey, what's going on here? And so we had researchers from the American Journal of Cardiology kind of jump into the conversation. And whenever they speak, everyone listens. And they came out with this big report that said, yes, we have found that medical marijuana users have lower body mass indexes. They're consuming more calories. Um, And a, a couple different studies have shown that that increased calorie range is between 585. Um, There was one report that took it all the way up to 834. Um, A study I like puts it at 619, but that's kind of the range we're looking at is, you know, about 600 or so more calories a day that medical marijuana users are consuming. 
However, again, they have lower body mass indexes, they weigh less. And so this past year, a group of researchers sought to find out, you know, what's going on and why is it happening. And it looks like what might be occurring is that medical marijuana is restoring an optimal balance between omega-6 and omega-3 ratios. And so omega-6 and omega-3 ratios are really, really important for your metabolism and the proper functioning of a number of other biological systems. Um, in the time of the hunters and gatherers, that omega-6, omega-3 ratio was usually one to one, maybe three to one. Today, with our American kind of Western diet, it is now 20 to one. So, <laughs> so things, are, things are very, very out of whack. And when that ratio gets so out of whack, you see a lot of really destructive things happening with metabolism, um, with energy storage and function. And so these researchers in their study suggested that medical marijuana might not just be going in and quote unquote making you lose weight, but more importantly, restoring that balance between omega-6 and omega-3 ratios. And so without getting too much into the science, where the munchies come in is whenever you first consume medical marijuana, there is an upregulation in your CB1 receptor, which is one of those cannabinoid receptors we talked about, is overstimulated. So think overstimulated, you're getting hungry, your metabolism's slowing down, you know, kind of all these things that we don't really want to go on for that long are happening. Um, but the good news is they don't go on for that long. There is that initial upregulation. You could have the munchies, maybe you eat those 600 calories, but then there is a very shortly after that, a much longer lasting down regulation where we see that balance between omega-6 and omega-3 restored. And then you see much more optimal metabolism functioning, much more optimal energy storage and functioning. And so that's not only why they think that the majority of people who are regular medical marijuana users lose weight, but they also suggest that that's the reason why some patients who need to gain weight, like our chronically ill patients with cancer, HIV, AIDS, who consume marijuana and then gain weight, what these researchers are saying is, hey, it works both ways. Because again, in that scenario, all that's happening is you're restoring a more optimal relationship between omega-6 and omega-3s. And so when you think about it, it really makes medical marijuana you know, seem like a miracle treatment because for people that sick patients that need to gain weight, it'll help you gain weight. But for patients that are struggling with overweight or obesity, it can most certainly help you lose weight. And, you know, that's not just us saying that that's the, you know, journal of Car cardiology and so forth. So it's really exciting. exciting well, stuff. that is really exciting. And it, it's, it's like the perfect solution for <laughs> it, it's, it's so weird that you can get that same um, sense of relief and satisfaction from one specific um, medication, so to speak, right. that helps opposite ends of the spectrum to be overweight and it help you and to be underweight and help you. That's, it's amazing. It is like a miracle treatment. <laughs> it really is like a miracle treatment. So then after the snackies, then there's the nappies where everyone. <laughs> so uh, how does that work with um, regard to sleep patterns? Um, I know that sometimes ladies going through the hormonal changes, we can't sleep or we, we get insomnia and things like that. How does medical marijuana assist or support that? Sure. So I think one thing that's really important to point out is that 
you know, since there are so many stereotypes surrounding, you know, marijuana use is that medical marijuana doesn't make you sluggish. It's not going to make you, you know, tired or kind of brain fog so that you're not able to do your job. What we're seeing with a lot of studies now is that medical marijuana actually is increasing um, job performance. It's increasing energy. Uh, just this past week, CanaMD reported on a number of athletes that are speaking out and saying that they're using it um, as an enhancement to their workouts and that, you know, it provides energy and it provides motivation. So we're starting to see a lot of really interesting studies that again, kind of like that weight discussion seem counterintuitive. You know, you think it makes you tired and how comes it's, you know, doing kind of the opposite thing. Um, so again, just like that same conversation, medical marijuana can provide you with energy. It can provide you with focus and motivation. However, whenever you do need to sleep, it can also assist in that area. And we've seen some great studies that show that medical marijuana can help with obstructive um, sleep apnea. There's been a lot, a lot of the insomnia work is really focused around patients with PTSD mm -hmm. that have trouble, you know, sleeping. And so we're finding that not only does it help you ease into sleep, but you're also able to have a much more restful and productive sleep, which in its own way contributes to that increased energy than mm -hmm. the next day. And so with insomnia, there's definitely a lot more research that needs to be done. Um, again, it is a very new and, and developing field, but all of the initial studies and reports are confirming what patients have been saying for a long time, which is it helps me get to sleep whenever I need to sleep. I wake up feeling a lot more rested. But then again, we're seeing a lot of these new emerging studies saying that, hey, there might be a bonus, whereas you actually have more energy and focus and clarity throughout the day when you want it. Well, that's amazing. It just keeps getting better. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I know one of the things that I personally struggle with through that time of the month, um, I haven't hit menopause quite yet, but I've yes. suffered from migraines since probably my cycle first started. How does, does medical marijuana assist with migraines, headaches? How does that work? Right. So it's actually pretty interesting. I'm not sure if you're familiar with a migraine um, medication, um, Amovig. I, and I apologize if I'm not pronouncing that correctly, but it just came out within the past year or so. And right now is one of the most popular um, medications for migraines. And, you know, their kind of big claim is that, you know, in all of their clinical trials, they found that their medication could decrease your monthly number of migraines from 2.6 to about 6.6. So you're having, you know, between 2.6 and 6.6 less migraines a month with this pharmaceutical medication. And we were very excited to see a study that came out again within um, the past couple of years here that found that medical marijuana can decrease your monthly occurrence of migraines by 5.8 migraines. Wow. which is very on the high end of those clinical trials for that pharmaceutical medication and has, you know, barely any side effects. Whereas, you know, Amovic has a lot of side effects. It's incredibly expensive. And so again, another really exciting development that, you know, medical marijuana could, you know, decrease and studies have shown could decrease migraines by 5.8 migraines a month. They also have shown um, in different research studies that medical marijuana can also uh, stop or slow a migraine that's already in development or already active. 
And um, I think kind of pushing a lot of credibility behind the argument was at the third Congress of European Neurology recently, researchers stood up and said, quote, you know, cannabinoids are just as suitable for preventing migraines as currently available pharmaceutical medication. So we definitely expect to be seeing a lot more headlines in this area, a lot more research coming out. So again, another area of, of big growth. That's, that's amazing. And that's great to know because migraines are debilitating. They they literally can take you completely out of functionality. I I can't function when I have a migraine. It just knocks me out completely. And you know, the the time frame that it lasts, sometimes it can be short and other times it could be days. So it's it's debilitating. Yeah. It it really is. And if it can be prevented with medical marijuana or even once it started, you can have the ability to ease it off. Then that's amazing. Because I do tend to find if I don't catch it as it's starting, it's so much more difficult to help it to wind down. Whereas if I catch it, I feel it coming and I catch it. It's it's more controllable. I'm not sure how medical marijuana assists on either end of those, if it's better in the preventative or to or both, which it probably is. <laughs> I would say right like now it's so for both sides of everything. I know. I was gonna say right now, you know, if I had to put a wager in, I would say both. But the, again, it's definitely an area that you know we need a lot more research in, but the preliminary findings have been very encouraging. That's exciting. That's very exciting. So another area, of course, that affects women, and and I think this changes throughout our entire lifespan is our intimacy, our our sex drives, our ability to naturally lubricate and things like that. How does medical marijuana assist in that process? Can it assist with sex drive? Can it assist with lubrication? How does, how's the relationship with that? Yeah, absolutely. So there was actually a really interesting study that came out in 2016 um, from the Journal of Sexual Medicine that found that two thirds of women who consumed medical marijuana prior to intercourse reported that their sexual experience was more pleasurable. And so again, kind of like some of these other studies we've discussed, that was one that really caught the public's attention, caught the researchers' attention. And so as you can (laughs) as you can imagine, there's been a lot more research in the past couple of years. Um, And one of those new studies has found that cannabis users report having 20% more intercourse than non-users. And so, yeah. And so researchers are, of course, trying to kind of extrapolate why that might be and the factors that might be influencing that outcome. Outcome. But the one thing that you can't argue with is that that outcome is true. Mm-hmm. So while we try to figure out what exactly is going on, we do have these results that are pointing us in a very positive you know, direction. And one thing that I personally want to point out that I think is important to take in consideration, just like with our sleep conversation, is that medical marijuana you know, as we've discussed, isn't just treating one specific thing. And so when you look at medical marijuana's effects or potential effects on sexual behavior, you have to factor in its influence on other symptoms and concerns that might be influencing sex drive or the ability to ability to experience pleasure. So if you're suffering from pain or fibromyalgia, if you're not getting enough sleep, if you have anxiety, these are all factors that are going to be influencing sex drive and the experience of you know pleasure during intercourse. And so if you're able to effectively mitigate those other symptoms, you have you stand a much greater chance of being able to improve, you know, those you know, the sex drive and you know pleasure during intercourse. Yeah, definitely. Because if if you're in pain and or if you have a migraine or if you're just not feeling well all around, that's definitely going to make you not 
have a drive. I mean, right. Absolutely. No one, no one wants to go through that. Right. Um, so I think, wow, I feel like, I feel like it's like the miracle drug and and (laughs) I mean, it's naturally growing. It's naturally occurring. What is, um, and I'm curious, what is the process to, from the, the growing process from the actual plant, the marijuana plant to actually make it into medical marijuana? Like what is, what is that process? Right. So, and that's a question that we get a lot is basically, you know, what is the difference between marijuana and medical marijuana? And the simplest answer is there's no real difference between the plants. The plants themselves are the same. And so Harvard Medical School came out with an article a couple years ago that summed it up pretty well, which basically said that the main difference between marijuana and medical marijuana is its intended use and purpose. And so you have, and also regulations, um, because with medical marijuana, you have a lot of regulations in place as far as how the plant is grown that allows the consumer to really understand and feel confident that they know what they're getting, they know what to expect, they know the cannabinoids that are involved, kind of the ratios of THC and CBD and some other important um, compounds. Whereas, you know, with black market marijuana or any other substance that you might consume from a non-regulated source, you aren't, you can't really be as sure as to what you're getting. But when you look at what is the difference between the actual product itself, there is no difference. The plants are the same, so they're coming from the same source. However, how they're being used, how they're being regulated, um, the assurances that legalized dispensaries can offer consumers as far as the lack of pesticides and the safe cultivation, you know, all of that is completely missing on the black market side of things. Um, So how the system works in Florida here for medical marijuana is you have your dispensaries and then you have your medical marijuana clinics. And CanaMD is a medical marijuana clinic, so we're on the doctor side of things. And the Senate bill ensures that these two sides of the operation are completely separate. And it actually prohibits any direct or indirect economic interest in um, a medical marijuana treatment center for us or testing facility and, and kind of vice versa for them. So the dispensaries are the ones that are going to take the plant from basically seed to sale, as they say. Mm-hmm. Um, and Canna MD has gone in. We've toured a lot of these facilities. Um, we've had the opportunity to work with leadership with dispensaries all across the state. Um, And it's really important for our patients to understand that there's third-party testing in place with medical products that you don't have with the black market. Um, When we saw all the vaping crisis and concerns over, you know, these past couple months here, it was really important for us to be able to assure our patients that third-party testing was in place so that they know that medical marijuana products that they're vaping don't contain heavy metals, don't contain vitamin E acetate. And a lot of these studies that have come out, again, in the past six months or so, have shown that, you know, almost all of the vaping-related illnesses can be traced back to black market marijuana sales or black market THC products that, you know, these vaping illnesses and other um, medical concerns aren't coming from medical products. So again, marijuana, medical marijuana technically aren't different, but what their intended use is, how they are consumed by the patient and the assurances that the legalized field can offer place the two, you know, kind of a world apart. Well, that's very interesting because I know one of the concerns that I would have immediately is, okay, so I'm getting medical marijuana, 
has chemical treatment been added? Is it now got chemicals in it and I'm still getting pharmaceutical product (laughs) under the natural banner to make me feel that I'm getting a natural product, but I'm actually getting chemicals infused into it? And another important distinction is that with medical marijuana products, you can really isolate exactly what it is you're looking for. And so it's not a one size fits all treatment. And if you do consume, you know, marijuana or any other substance from a black market source, you're basically at the mercy of, you know, whatever someone is going to be selling you. That's kind of what you have. You don't really know, is this best for anxiety? Well, I'm trying to treat Crohn's disease. I should be, you know, you can't make that distinction. Whereas, you know, in a licensed dispensary, going through a medical marijuana doctor, you are able to get a product that has the particular ratio of cannabinoids um, that are perfect for your condition. Um, And then you can also experiment with the different routes of administration. Our doctors are constantly advising on, um, you know, whether smoking or inhalation or tinctures or patches are more appropriate depending on not only the patient's condition, but their medical history and what their own personal preferences are. Um, And we found that to be the patches in particular to be really effective for people suffering from chronic pain that kind of need that time release delivery system that are also looking for something that's a little bit more discreet. We know a lot of people aren't comfortable with smoking, but then the tincture oils are great. So you can kind of avoid the inhalation route completely. So again, there's a ton of different opportunities that are afforded by the medical route that aren't available on the traditional kind of black market scene. But to answer the question, what's the difference between the actual products themselves? At the end of the day, you're still looking at the same plant. That's awesome. And just as a curiosity, there are a a gamut of diseases that you've named off. I mean, ALS and multiple sclerosis, and um, there are so many of them. And when you're on a treatment of medical marijuana, would a patient tend to just be on a medical marijuana kind of prescription or would they use that in combination with pharmaceuticals or is there a a changeover? Because I know I have family and friends that suffer from different diseases and they're on very specific regimens of medication. And a lot of times the doctors will kind of scare them into feeling like, oh, if you stop this, you're going to die. So is there a transition period if you want to go natural where you can transition off of prescription-based into a medical marijuana treatment? Perfect sense. And it's interesting because for the longest time, marijuana was kind of labeled as an entry drug or gateway drug to other drugs. And so what we like to say is that medical marijuana is actually an exit drug and Mm -hmm. is extremely effective in doing exactly what you described, kind of helping patients taper off other medication that they may not be as comfortable, you know, taking, but at the time they kind of feel like they didn't have any other choice. Uh, And we specifically see this with opioids and with patients struggling to get off of their pain medication. And we're really happy to see that pain clinics and pain doctors are really starting to change their stance. I know whenever we first introduced medical marijuana in the state of Florida, you had the majority of pain clinics saying, hey, if you are going to become a medical marijuana patient, you're no longer welcome to, you know, benefit from our services here. And we've seen a really huge shift in that where they now understand the importance of using medical marijuana, not only as a complement, but also as a tool to help patients decrease their use of opioids. And we see that um, in a ton of other conditions, cancer for one. Um, And I think that's probably one of the conditions where 
medical marijuana has been used for perhaps the longest time with the most acceptance. Um, you know, oncologists have been recommending medical marijuana, whether it was legal or not, yeah. as a compliment, especially for terminal patients for an incredibly long time. I mean, we've even seen our own federal government years ago introduce their own compassionate care program where they were experimenting with that exact type of thing, you know, making it available. So, you know, definitely can be used as a complement to current treatments, definitely can be used as a tool to taper off. And then of course, as we've discussed, there are its benefits in just kind of using it on its own. So it really is up to the patient. And that's what, you know, at Canna MD, our patient, or excuse me, our physicians really strive to do is garner that understanding from the patient so that we know exactly what it is they're looking for, what their medical goals are, and then our job is to help them, you know, achieve them. That's excellent. And of course, you know, at this time, I'll just slip in and I'll, I'll speak more about it in the wrap up that, of course, you do have to know what your country's regulations are, what's legal, what's not legal as far as medical marijuana use. I know I'm from Bermuda and we have legalized medical marijuana in Bermuda. So that's Yes, that's a, that's definitely a big plus. I know it was being used long before it was <laughs> used, so as I'm around the world. Its use and its benefits have been so obvious for so long, and it's so great to have the science and the research and the documentation and the doctors that are now behind it that can really give you that sense of comfort that, yes, this is an amazing alternative treatment, an amazing natural treatment that you can use to complement or to, I love, I love how you said exit drug. I love that. <laughs> I mean, that just feels good, right? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So that is great. I would thank you so much. This has been an amazing amount of information and I think very helpful for our listeners. Is there anything else that you think just from a woman's perspective? I mean, I don't know what else you can cover, but I mean, headaches and <laughs> sex drive and loss of weight and gain of weight and stress and anxiety. I mean, these are all the gamut of things that we deal with just throughout life as a woman and, and more so as we get older and into these different hormonal imbalances and things like that. So is there anything else that you think we should know about medical marijuana? And it's yeah, I, th I think the main thing that I would like to stress is just that there is a really great growing supportive community of female medical marijuana patients that I see kind of popping up on social media. We see it even within our own patient base at Canna MD. But I would definitely encourage women to, you know, seek out other patients. You can follow um, Canna MD on Facebook at my Canna MD and kind of connect with other female patients to learn from their experience. Canna MD is always available. You know, if you have questions, uh, you can even ask me personally. I'm, I'm fine. I always get I get questions every day, and I love oh, helping sure. in any way in any way that I can um, because I really think that, especially with women, we are could be easily intimidated by the stigma that's been surrounding this treatment for so long. And so I think, you know, what we're trying to do at Canada MD is kind of bring those barriers down to make the information accessible so that we as women can make more informed treatment decisions and know that there are other options, you know, because we do go through, you know, a variety of very unique health and medical, you know, concerns that up until now, our only option has been pharmaceutical, you know, treatments. And so just to let females know that there are other options and there are, there is a great community out there that's supportive that you can ask questions and we're kind of all there to support each other. I think that would be 
maybe my final message to put out. (laughs) I think so. I'm definitely going to have all of the contact information and ways that we can find Kenna MD and yourself in our, in our script notes. But if you could just give us the website again and an email address, that would be awesome. And if there's social media that people can follow to easily have access to this information, that would be great. Sure. So our website is cannamd.com. So it's C-A-N-N-A-M-D.com. And all of our social media profiles, we are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at mycannamd. And you can always feel free to just email me personally at jessica at cannamd. And I will be more than happy to personally respond and kind of point you in the right direction in the event that I don't personally have an answer for you. Well, I think you've given us lots of answers, (laughs) Jessica, so I'd like to really thank you again for all of your informative and well-researched education that you've been able to provide us with. We really appreciate it. And thank you for joining us on Positively Purposed. Thank you for having me. You guys have a great day. Thank you so much. Thank you. Ladies, didn't I tell you to get your notepads out? (laughs) I know that was a ton of extremely exciting and useful information, and I'm not going to attempt to regurgitate all the amazing scientific research and facts that were presented by Jessica. However, I will give you the layman's version as the wrap-up, and you can always replay the episode for any details that you may have missed. So Jessica gave us the information to approach real medical challenges with a holistic solution, backed by scientific research. Now we know that marijuana or cannabis isn't a medical drug designed to mitigate symptoms. It's a plant that contains a naturally occurring formula that happens to fit perfectly into our human endocannabinoid system. This has virtually miraculous results in most circumstances, and many of these treatable symptoms can be as a result of menopause, hormones, pre-existing health conditions, or just daily life. Marijuana has been a taboo subject for so long, with a number of stereotypes attached to it, some more accurate than others. Let's do a little myth-busting and fact-confirming in this regard. Cannabis users have been thought to be very calm and mellow. True. Medical marijuana has the innate ability to drastically reduce the feelings of stress and anxiety. We've talked previously about the severity of stress and stress-related illnesses, so we could stop here and know that this plant has already earned its value. But let's continue. The munchies. True. Medical marijuana restores the optimal regulation and balance between omega-3 and omega-6 in our bodies. So while you may have the initial snack craving and consume more calories than normal, this quickly is remedied as it restores balance and increases your metabolism. The result is actually shown in studies as a smaller waistline, which is contrary to the popular concern. On the flip side, An obese or overweight person would also benefit from the omega-3 and 6 balancing acts and consequently lose weight as balance is restored. Another stereotype is that marijuana makes you sleepy. Truth to a certain extent. Medical marijuana is useful for those with sleep challenges, restlessness and insomnia. However, it doesn't make you feel sluggish. It just gives you the ability to have a more restful and productive sleep. Also proven is that during daily hours, the result is actually a more focused and productive functioning person. 
One of my favorite revelations was the positive result for reduction of migraine frequency and the ability to slow down or stop the progression of a migraine already active. The icing on the cake was that medical marijuana has been proven to be just as effective for preventing migraines as its pharmaceutical counterparts. Finally, we learned that medical marijuana users reported an increased frequency of sexual intercourse, as well as an improved sexual experience. These results we know can also be contributed to the fact that medical marijuana effectively mitigates other symptoms, such as stress, pain, and exhaustion, which also obviously make intimacy less inviting or exciting. So inherently, there are positive improvements all around when these symptoms are no longer present. Last point, medical marijuana is no different from regular marijuana, except that it is legally produced, distributed, and content regulated. The prescription can be consumed in a number of ways, so there is no need to panic if your preference does not include smoke inhalation. And just to be clear, there are options and opinions, but the facts are that medical marijuana must be legally prescribed by a registered distributor or physician, and I strongly encourage you to confirm the laws of your country to ensure that you abide by the restrictions that you are legally bound. For more information, you can visit canamd.com or mycanamd on all social media platforms. Know that you have options for your own health care. Educate yourself and make informed health and wellness decisions because your life is yours to live and it's so much easier to live in your purpose when you are healthy. I'm your midlife maven, Nina Dana Lee, bringing you information from Canna MD. Thanks for sticking around to the end. Clearly you enjoyed this, so we'd love to see you in our Positively Purposed Facebook group for private chats in our ladies' room. Follow us on Instagram at Positively Purposed to find out what's coming up next and for daily inspiration. We have so much more in store for you, so please share and leave a review to encourage other ladies to get in on the goods. Hit subscribe, see you next Sunday, and keep walking positively in your purpose.